Hi, I'm Crystal Mori, Teaching Channel Laureate and host of the new video series, Women Leaders in Education. Today I'm here with Kristen Swanson, EdCamp co-founder and director of Learning at Slack. Thank you so much for joining the Teaching Channel as we share narratives, challenges, advice, and implications on women educational leaders. As a developing women educational leader myself, I really look to other women for their support, their encouragement, and really those connections that really unify us um, together as we sort of kind of strive forward uh, you know, to, to bring about change and opportunities for ourselves um, and for so many others. So today, first, let me begin by thanking you uh, for being a boundary-pushing women, a woman leader, uh, and thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. Well, I will try to live up to that. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you, Kristen. Many people know you and look up to you. You're known for a leader in education for your work with EdCamp's platform of teacher professional development through organic group think textile collaboration. Um, and also for your work and teacher use of digital tools to collaborate. What or who inspired you to become a leader in education? Well, those are really kind words. Um, my goodness, you know, I think my journey really started with just the amazement um, at how awesome my kids and fellow teachers were when I started teaching many, many years ago. So as I moved through my career as a teacher and then later as a district leader and following a curriculum nerd, which I retain that title even today, you know, I saw so many opportunities where we'd all benefit from just sharing more with each other because we were all doing such amazing work. And so every time I invited teachers to share and teachers invited me to share in kind, the results consistently exceeded my expectations. And this really became sort of its own reward for me to see people sharing and to see sort of that energy feeding off of each other. And, and that's really where my inspiration comes from, just seeing people sharing with each other and basically generating new information and new learning that they wouldn't have been able to achieve alone. Well, Kristen, you know, your idea has uh, really kind of blossomed and, you know, the work of EdCamp as it is today is exactly what, you know, you hoped it to be, it sounds like, uh, when you first went into it. And I imagine that there were some challenges uh, along the way as you sort of rose into this leadership um, position that now seems almost so natural for you. Can you talk about one of those challenges that, that, that you faced and, and sort of how you worked through it? Well, I don't know if it ever feels natural, and, and I think that we are all leaders, and I think that every day we wake up and do something to serve kids and teachers, I think that's a day that we're a leader. Um, so I know that I'm in good company with some of the folks who are probably watching this and, and with you as well. Um, but I think the most important challenge I've been tackling is this need to kind of bring together diverse viewpoints, and mm -hmm. I think that right now that need is more important than ever. Um, so when EdCamp started, many people had different ideas about its value or lack of value um, and how it should proceed because it looked and sounded and was very different from the traditional sit and get models. And, you know, instead of closing myself off to this feedback, I, and along with that amazing original EdCamp team, decided to just turn the ownership of the model over to the people for whom it mattered most, the ed campers. And, mm. you know, that was hard at the time. Giving up ownership of something you care deeply about is really challenging. But it was the single best decision I made in my life. EdCamp is better because ed campers have made it better. 
Um, and, you know, it's funny, um, probably the one moment when I knew that EdCamp had truly become something of which I was so immensely proud was I went to an EdCamp event at Camp Silicon Valley and I my train was late and so I ended up being about 30 to 35 minutes late for the event and I walked in and the two people running the table said, hi, welcome, like, is this your first EdCamp? Here's the sticker, let me tell you how this works and they told me exactly how it worked, they helped me get to a session and I thought, wow, these people know EdCamp um, and they don't know me and they don't know anything about the movement. They just know that this is how this goes and they're doing a great, amazing job. So this true shared collaboration and ownership is just magic to me. Um, but it didn't come without its challenges, especially at the outset, you know, in showing people that some of these diverse interpretations of the model were okay um, and that there really was value in organic collaboration. So with that, how do you both allow for the viewpoints and the voice of others sort of to kind of that, that true model of collaboration um, while at the same time like voicing your own concerns and, and your viewpoints that you feel are like critical to the success of whatever it is you're implementing? I mean, I think that, you know, I have been an authentic uh, member of the community and I think that I have surrounded myself with truly authentic members who really are all aiming towards the same thing and that's what's best for kids and I think that as long as we can all say we are here because of what's best for kids the other pieces will fall into place eventually it might take a long time we might have to have a lot of conversations we might agree and then disagree and then agree again um, and I think that as long as you say why are we here and we are all on the same page about that the rest uh, will fall into place, but I, I can assure you that is much easier said than done in many cases. So, you know, speaking of that, uh, you know, the world of education right now is often under attack. And while we all are certainly here uh, because of our love of students and their own learning and seeing those moments in them, um, there are some, some issues out there of which are kind of commonly talked about by not just people in education that are educators, but by um, the larger society. You know, we have um, issues um, that arise when people talk about Common Core, um, certainly some conversation around like teacher effectiveness, school effectiveness, obviously the most recent one now talking about public versus private education, um, and, and that sort of, um, you know, and that sort of conversation that's beginning to brew. As you, you know, kind of see education sort of under attack, what is it that sort of keeps you forging ahead? Um, and keeps you motivated to have these challenging conversations when it might just be sort of comfortable to take a step back, you know, at other times. Yeah, um, I think that all of the problems you describe are grown-up problems. Um, they are problems that grown-ups have. Um, they aren't problems that kids are facing in schools. They are problems that grown-ups have in getting along with other grown-ups. And so uh, when I look at these, how can I not stay involved? How can I not advocate? Because the people who end up being hurt by these grown-up conflicts are the kids. And, you know, I would just encourage anyone who feels saddened or overwhelmed by the current educational environment right now, go spend a day in a school. Schools are filled with the most amazing, dedicated teachers and wonderful, wonderful kids. I was traveling um, a few weeks ago and I was able to spend a morning reading to kids in Soundview and uh, when I was traveling in New York. And, you know, if there was any question of if I needed my voice to be heard and if I needed to start advocating on behalf of kids, that started up real fast. Um, and so I think that for me, 
you know, having that connection and spending that time in a very intentional way always reminds me that this fight is a good fight. Uh, it is one that is worthy of staying in, and it is one that is more important right now than ever before because how will kids learn to be inclusive? They'll learn to be inclusive because we teach it to them in our public schools. You know, Kristen, it reminds me that obviously, um, you know, over the last uh, couple of months, half year, our society has been going through a lot of challenging conversations. And um, it reminds me that I find the most comfort with the students. I always say that I have been really lucky because I get the next morning to go and see students who smile, who make me laugh, um, who kind of ground me. And I wonder if you know that opportunity was provided for more people in our society to walk into schools and have that same experience, seeing teachers, seeing kids. You know, if their hearts wouldn't sort of soften as well, um, and 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 there maybe that edge to that conversation might lessen just a bit, um, if that. Well, we have a lot of women educational leaders who are sort of not even embracing leadership yet. Uh, you know, I think I've only really called myself a leader in education here for just a couple of years. But certainly I you know, talk to teachers every day and ones that um, I coach in my position as an instructional coach that are just starting um, into seeing themselves as, 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 a, as a little bit more than that just a teacher model that they sort of gave themselves when they first came in. But they're taking on leadership um, capabilities and qualities in and outside of the classroom. What's a piece of advice that you would give to um, sort of women leaders that are just starting or are continuing on this journey of theirs? So to me, every woman in education is a leader. Teaching kids is a form of leadership. Um, it's shaping the future of our country. It's shaping our world. And it is the best vehicle that we have to create the world that we want to live in in the future. So I think every woman in education is a leader for sure. And, and the advice that I would give to those folks is, like, don't underestimate the power that you have. And wield it really, really carefully. Um, the decisions that you make every day impact the life of a child, and please don't give up because we need you now more than we ever have. Um, I am just one person, but one person when connected with all of the other amazing female leaders out there in education makes me stronger. And so um, I really welcome more and more educational leaders, women, men, all you know, all types um, to the forefront because we just need as much leadership as we, we can get right now. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, I think that the more diverse perspectives that we get into these conversations um, and the more opportunities each of us takes on, it's sort of that rising tide, you know, raises all boats uh, sort, of, sort of mentality. When you were, who, um, I'm trying to think of, when you were kind of maybe starting in on your leadership, or maybe it is today, but who is another leader that you sort of look up to? Either somebody that kind of helped you build into yours, or somebody you look up to today? That's a, such a good question. So my career and my life has been shaped by so many amazing women. I'm really fortunate um, to say that. But of course, my mom and my grandmother were very, very formative influences. My grandmother actually worked in the Heinz ketchup industry during the Second World War, and she was one of the first women to work in that ketchup factory, and she was pretty tough. Um, and, you know, my mom, she always made sure that my sister and I knew how important education was. And these women had tremendous impact in the choices that I made. You know, they were in many cases the reason that I decided to pursue post-secondary education. Um, 
but I would say outside of my family, you know, I look up to a number of women. Linda Darling Hammond, in my mind, has paved the way for women researchers like myself and innovators in education. Um, she has this no-nonsense way about her that I just absolutely respect uh, and think that she has really set a path that will allow other women to follow. Uh, Carol Dweck also comes to mind as someone who is really carefully thinking about research, scholarship, and ideas to influence the conversation. Uh, and I think for me, with those two women, you don't think about them as the female leaders. You think about them as the most important leaders in their field. Um, and you know, I think the fact that they're women is just something that <laughs> is, in many ways, uh, icing on the cake for me as someone that I see as a model that I would like to emulate. And Linda is a part of this series as well, Kristen, so... Uh, well, I do not deserve I, to be in the same series as her. <laughs> I think absolutely you do. Uh, we have one question to kind of wrap up um, our time together, Kristen. Uh, when we, you know, think about leadership and, um, and about education, and more and specifically, though, obviously this series is really talking about women leaders. What's that one word, if you had to pick just one word that sort of grounds you in the work that's being done and your work, um, perhaps a motto you live by, but what's that like one word that sort of inspires you? Hmm. So if I had to narrow it to one word, it would absolutely be perseverance. Um, our journey has just started and there is so much work to be done. And every time we move forward, we're going to feel like we move back again. And it's all a part of the process and it's all a part of the journey and we just have to stick with it right now. Well, Kristen, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. You know, your continued leadership, uh, most importantly, though, your service, your service to uh, the tremendous amount of students and educators collectively around the nation that strives to make us all better so that each and every day we can walk into classrooms and be one of those one people that hopefully all together, as you mentioned, sort of create this circuit um, of energy and excitement around learning. Um, I just, again, want to thank you so much for taking the time, but most importantly, for your leadership and for your service. Oh, it's an honor, and it's not about me. It's about all the Ed Campers out there who make this such a great movement. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Kristen.